Welcome to Ranch Raves Questions and Quotes, a podcast where I get to bitch, complain, basically my take on over 50 years on this planet. As always, I am not a licensed clinician, doctor, therapist, lawyer, or Indian chief. I'm just a guy that has certain views, certain opinions, certain thoughts on how things are, how things ought to be, how things used to be, and my life experiences. So I invite you, as always, to sit back, relax, grab a snack, join us for a little fun. Maybe you'll think I'm crazy. Maybe you'll think I'm right on the money. Either way, I always, as always, I look forward to hearing from you. You can reach me at mrrants50 at gmail.com or via my blog at my rrqq.wordpress.com and uh, welcome to the show okay everybody welcome back to rants raves questions and quotes i am again i apologize for the hiatus um I keep trying to want to find things that are not always politically motivated because in today's society, uh, there has to be an outlet. There has to be a break from, from all the craziness. But, uh, unfortunately, uh, the, the circus just keeps on rolling along. I'm going to pull up a little uh, little soundbite from uh, the Chad Prather show. He puts it a little bit more eloquently than I can, at least, uh, at least part of this. And then we're going to discuss, and we have several other things to discuss because it's a mad, mad world. And... It's getting to the point where I just want to stay home, put my head under a blanket, bury my head in the sand, and pretend this is all going to go away. Because every time I feel that we have hit bottom, we just go a little bit deeper. But uh, that's going to be the end of the podcast uh, when we hit our new low. So, uh Let's start off at part one. Welcome to the circus. That's right. I want you to step right up, ladies and gentlemen, and you'll see that the jesters are now in charge. And when I say ladies, 
I do mean that with the most open of interpretations. And when I said gentlemen, I do not refer to the toxic masculinity that we have been told represents legitimate manhood, but rather the virginal beta soy almond milk softies that puts feelings first and has been eternally relegated to the friend zone. This is the circus, my friends, where women are men, men are women. The schools teach propaganda instead of classes. Left is right, right is left. So basically, the reverse world is on steroids. The collectivists are always right. They believe the group to be superior to any one individual, blindly following a mantra without much thought and at the cost of your own personal reality. Just look at the modern trend of fat acceptance. These people literally tell others that morbid obesity is healthy, for example. A big part of the youth of America believes that communism is good and that it is just a situation that hasn't been properly tried and applied and it will solve all of our problems. And maybe that dissolving the police will end racism. Misgendering can get you brought up on criminal charges in some places of the Western world. Protecting children from adult sexual stimuli is considered hateful. Parents are being accused of of operating as domestic terrorists by some of the highest officials in the supposedly freest country in the world. The nuclear family is mocked. Fatherless homes are financially rewarded. State-enforced sexual transition hormones for children is praised as progress. Drag queen story hour is an actual trend. How about voting rights for terrorists? That's exactly correct. Both Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris have stated that they're open to the idea of reinstating the voting rights of the Boston Marathon bomber. Jokes will get you canceled. The gospel has been exchanged for motivational speeches and self-help bullet points. Climate activists block traffic despite the pesky fact that they're literally forcing cars to idle for longer periods of time so they can emit even more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Airlines are more interested in the color of your skin and the plight of your sexual orientation than they are your ability to safely operate a commercial aircraft. We're told that Donald Trump is both a buffoon but also also planned, mobilized, and incited an insurrection on par with the Civil War. You see, in the circus world, you were told to believe all women, although it's impossible to define what a woman is. A dementia-ridden octogenarian that we have now discovered to be both black and Jewish, oh, and Puerto Rican, oh, and wished he was Polish. He received a historic 81 million votes, and a woman whose roots are from South Asia and Jamaican bloodlines became the first black female vice president. Somehow the circus is fun, the circus is free to all as long as you have received your tyrannically mandated medical procedure that allows you to operate in society it may kill you but who wants to live in the circus for that long anyway (laughs) now i uh only played about a two or three minute piece of his uh his podcast i highly suggest you go look up chad prather show uh, episode 770, and it goes on for about 20 more minutes, but I don't want to spoil the surprise. Needless to say, he breaks the clown world down even farther. Uh, it, it, it's just craziness what we're going through right now, what this country is dealing with, and uh, that's just a small part because uh, I've got more for you. Hold tight. Americans are starting to get frustrated with constantly being prompted to leave a tip, especially in the present economy when inflation and prices are still high. Here to give us the details is Daily Wire's Charlotte Pence Bond. 
So, Charlotte, it feels like every time you buy anything lately, you're asked to leave a tip. And now it sounds like we have some data on how people really feel about it. Yes, there have been reports that a lot of people think there's way too much tipping going on. In the past, there would often be a tip jar at places like coffee shops and ice cream shops. But now with the payment on iPads, the screen always pops up asking you to leave a tip. And a lot of people find it irritating. Here's Thomas Farley, an expert on etiquette on this topic. So we know about a guilt trip. This is the guilt tip where because you know you've got to flip that screen around ultimately and the person waiting on you is going to see how much you tipped, not to mention the three people standing in line behind you are going to see what you tipped. This is all coming to a head with the economy, too. Inflation was at 6.5% in December, which is still really being felt for a lot of Americans when they go to check out. Here's Farley again on this. We're living in an era of inflation, but on top of that, we've got tipping everywhere, tipflation. I take it a step further and call it a tipping invasion, because that's really what I think it is. Some experts who actually study the act of tipping say that a lot of customers are annoyed when they're asked to tip at cafes and similar places, in part because the workers are earning minimum wage or more. One customer had this to say. They're just getting paid hourly, and they're just behind a counter handing you something, just doing their job. I don't really think it deserves much more of uh, what they're already getting paid for. So it's different from tipping your waiter, for example. For people who don't know, waiters typically earn less than minimum wage, but they get the majority of their pay from tips. Okay, let me break in here because, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. If you work at McDonald's and you hand me my chicken nuggets and my french fry and my drink cup, I'm not giving you a fucking tip. That's your job. Now, yes, I realize, and especially during the pandemic when very few restaurants were open and people were out there and they were serving at restaurants and so forth, that those people were hurting. They had to be there even if they thought they were risking their their health and their well-being to serve you dinner or bring you that extra drink or that extra tray or whatever the case may be at the restaurant. So I didn't mind tipping. But again, I have always lived by the hard and fast rule that No matter what the circumstance, I realize you're out there trying to make a living. I realize that waiters and waitresses do not make a hell of a lot of money. But if I get shitty service, I'm not fucking tipping you. If I get excellent service, you, I have tipped as much as half of the, the bill. I paid the bill, then given about another half of that to my server if I get good service. So I realize you're out there, you're working, you were dealing with the pandemic, you didn't know if you were going to live or die if you got got the the bid and all this other stuff. But still, if you don't give me good service, I'm not going to tip you. So just wanted to throw that in. And the other thing that it's not exactly tipping, but it really irks the living daylights out of me. Uh, as I have mentioned, I am a wholeheartedly uh, an avid supporter of the Second Amendment. I have other charities that I uh, support and I follow. I'm not saying that to gain kudos or bonus points. But what I do find annoying is every email I get from my conservative branches uh, my Second Amendment uh, groups that I follow, etc. Oh, they're doing this in Congress. They're going to pass this bill. We need your your support. We need your name on a fucking uh, petition. 
and it'll mean more if you give us five dollars. No, I'm not giving you five dollars. My name on the petition to make your get you a thousand or a million or two million uh, signers ought to be sufficient. Because I'm already like everybody else, struggling like everybody else. I'm dealing with the with the high inflation. I'm dealing with the high gas costs, high food costs, everything else. I don't have an extra ten to fifteen dollars every time I have to put my name on a petition to give it to you. Especially when some of these organizations, I'm already paying monthly fees to be a member of their organization to begin with. Take some of that monthly fee that I'm not using because it's. It's an insurance clause just in case shit happens. Unfortunately, shit hasn't happened where I've needed to call in their services. So take a little bit of that money and put it towards that. But they don't like to do that. So that's their problem. I'm not going to give away more hard-earned money when I'm not going to get anything in return. But that's just me. And uh, we'll continue with the circus world. And uh, just uh, FYI, again, that was a little sound clip from the Daily Wire. Again, another one of the podcasts I listen to. Again, highly suggest you uh, subscribe and listen to them on your own on top of what I put out here on the podcast. Okay, now this next craziness comes from Candace Owens' story about uh, uh, Scott Adams, I believe his name was, ran the Dilbert or wrote the Dilbert cartoon. Had a little kerfluffle, and basically he was canceled. They quit publishing his cartoon. He's basically been drummed out of the the papers. And uh, I know I was going to put this on my on my racism podcast episode that I'm still working on, but I think the craziness needs to go here because, well, take a listen as Candace Owens explains. Let's jump into this second story because there is something so implicitly, by the way, racist about this. I saw this other story that popped up and I thought, isn't this incredible? Do you remember a few weeks ago when we covered Scott Adams? He's the creator of the Dilbert cartoon series. And he essentially was responding to a poll in which 50%, approximately 50% of black people did not agree that it was okay for people to be white. A stunning poll, a shocking poll. Imagine being a white person and reading that, reading that 50% of a group of individuals do not believe that it's okay for you to be what you are, white. And so in responding to this poll, he said accurately that this represents a hate group. If I read a poll that said 50% of white people do not think it's okay for you to be black, I would say we have a hate group operating in this country. And then he gave his viewers some advice. He said, if you are a white person, you need to move away from black people. Obviously, it is not safe for you to be living among people, and it's a toying cost as to whether or not these people believe that you have a right to exist, that it's okay, rather, for you to exist. And there was outrage. Dilbert got dropped by Gannett Publishers. Essentially, they wanted him canceled. Oh, my God, he's a white supremacist. Well, guess what? Someone essentially said the exact same thing that he said, but in reverse, and there's no outrage. A woman who wrote White Fragility, the author's name is Robin D'Angelo, sounded exactly like Scott, Scott Adams in a racial justice webinar by suggesting that black people need to just, well, get away from white people. Take a listen. And then I'm a big believer in affinity space and affinity work. And I think people of color need to get away from white people <laughs> and, and have some community um, with each other. 
and I'll, I'll let that go and maybe see if anyone else wants to pick it up. <laughs> She's talking to two black women and saying this, and there's no outrage because somehow if you repackage segregation and you make people think that it's a form of black empowerment and you make yourself sound like you're just white guilty, then people are okay with it. She's basically, I just think what you guys need is to live in a community all by yourself. Jim Crow called. He wants his laws back. But this time, it's empowering. Because I'm just saying, you need to get away from us. We are the problem. If only the government had pitched Jim Crow like that. Right? I mean, it sounds fluffy. Actually, you know, we feel that as white people, we have wronged you so much that we are going to put ourselves in a community so that you can be safe. You think that we'd still have Jim Crow laws today? Probably. Maybe. And somehow black people don't understand that that's exactly what it is. This is repackaging segregation laws. No outrage. She is Scott Adams. You know what there is also no outrage about? That's been going on for years, and it just seems that they keep upping the ante on crazy. Segregated graduations. You are not going to believe this. Grand Valley State University is holding five segregated graduation celebrations. Five of them. Here are the various graduation ceremonies that you can attend if you are a student there. They will be having the Asian graduation celebration. They will be having, of course, the black graduation celebration on a different date. They will be having the Latino, Latina, Latinx graduation celebration, which will also take place at a different date and a different time if you like to attend that. They will also be having the lavender graduation. In case you're wondering what that is, wow, are there lavender people in society? No, 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 no. That's for the rainbow people, the alphabet soup community, the LGBTQIA+. Don't know why you don't just put all 26 letters there. Community can attend the lavender graduation so they can feel like special snowflakes. And if you still don't find a category that fits you, don't worry. There is also a native graduation celebration. I'd like to see how many students will be attending that. I'd like to see how many Native Americans will be attending that. So essentially, again, the Laker graduates um, have an opportunity to segregate themselves. That's it. Segregation is back, baby, and it's better than ever because we don't have to do the work for you. You can segregate yourselves, okay? So we'll have all these opportunities. It's still going to say black, white, in Spanish, lavender, and then you guys are just going to sort yourselves like you're like you're at the container store. Just put yourselves into different little sections, and everything's going to be fine. And this is it's stunning to me that this is what is going on at the very same time that people accuse everything of being racist. They see racism everywhere except exactly where it is operation operating institutionally, where it's always operated institutionally. By the way, don't forget it was the academia. That came up with Jim Crow laws. It was the academia that came up with arguments for eugenics. These are the same people that created all the racial strife in American history that are, again, repurposing it and selling it to people. It's unbelievable. Now, I mentioned... Uh, and uh, Mr. Ben Shapiro also had something to say about the exact same topic. One other thing that I hate today. So this is just a spectacular clip. So Robin D'Angelo, who is one of the great grifters of all time, she's the author of what is, I think, factually speaking, the worst book ever written, White Fragility. It is an awful, awful piece of garbage. If you want to see my full take on White Fragility, I did a YouTube video probably a year ago in which I went through White Fragility in detail. It's like a 35-minute breakdown, breaking down what is truly one of the most awful books ever put into the English language. 
And she was doing another one of these these Maoist struggle sessions talking about how white people are terrible and also they carry the burden of having to fix all of Earth. So shockingly, white people are both terrible and also should have all the power, which is a very weird thing. And um, and she drops this one. She basically says that black people should hang out with black people. So here, here's what she has to say. And then I'm a big believer in affinity space and affinity work. And I think people of color need to get away from white people. <laughs> And, and have some community um, with each other. And I'll, I'll let that go and maybe see if anyone else wants to pick it up. Um, so she wants there to be a separate black space from the, from the white space. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, I just want to play that one more time because then I want to contrast that with another thing that was said by a famous person recently that got that person's career ended. So here, here she is again. And then I'm a big believer in affinity space and affinity work. And I think people of color need to get away from white people <laughs> and and have some community um, with each other. And I'll, I'll let that go and maybe see if anyone else wants to pick it up. I think people of color need to get away from white people and have a space just for themselves, right? Now, imagine that she had said, I think white people need to get away from people of color and have a space just for themselves. Well, you don't have to imagine. Scott Adams said exactly that, and it ended his career. Here was his direct quote. Right, but I, here's the quote with the races reversed, the way that Robin D'Angelo would. You tell me if you can spot a distinction between Scott Adams if he'd been talking about black people getting away from white people and what Robin D'Angelo just said. Quote, if nearly half of whites are not okay with black people, according to this poll, according, not according to me, according to this poll, that's a hate group. I don't want to have anything to do with them. I would say based on the current way things are going, the best advice I would give to black people is to get the hell away from white people. Just get the F away because there's no fixing this. That's if Scott Adams had been talking about black people getting away from white people. And it is indistinguishable from what Robin D'Angelo is saying, except she says the word affinity groups a lot, the term affinity groups. Again, racism is just fine depending on who it is directed against. That is the that is the rule of the day when it comes to the left. All righty, guys, the rest of the show continues. You know, I just, it just drives me crazy. I was raised to believe that regardless of race, color, sex, creed, sexual identity, whatever other choices there are out there, that you treated others the way you wanted to be treated, period. Now, that did not negate the fact that if someone treated you like shit, you, you know, of course, my, my parents always said, well, you know, smile and walk away. You know, they're, they're, you don't know what they're going through. Okay, and I've adopted a little bit of that as I've come up. But I've also gotten a little more jaded and said, well, fuck it. If they want to treat me like shit, I'll treat them like shit. But I don't treat people like shit based upon those uh, classifications, a race, color, sex, creed, sexual orientation, what have you. I treat people like shit after they've treated me like shit. And I don't go by just one uh, instance. Everybody has a bad day. So if I'm talking to, for an example now, mind you, this is all purely speculative purely an example if i'm talking to an african-american man and he says oh you're a white motherfucker blah 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 okay he might be having a bad day i'll let it slide i won't jump my shit i won't be putting him on my radar of people to avoid people to treat like shit etc now if it becomes a continual occurrence 
that's another story. But yes, as Scott Adams said, as that woman said, I think there is a time when we all need to separate ourselves from everyone. But then again, there's a time when we all need to come together. Now, I don't know about you, maybe it's because I think clearly and I think logically, but no, I don't want to be around people that do not want to be around me. That doesn't mean I hate them. That doesn't mean I wish ill upon them. That doesn't mean I want anything bad to happen to them. If I was invited to the White House tomorrow for a lunch or high tea with the current president of the United States, I would politely decline. I don't want to be anywhere near the man. I don't like him. I don't trust him. But I don't wish ill upon him. I don't want anything evil or bad to happen to him. Uh, but I don't agree with him. I don't think he's a good leader, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on and on. But I'm not going to sit there and be an ass back to him. I'll politely walk away. See you later, Charlie. Thank you very much. And that's just, you know, that's just the way normal people are. I don't want to be around people that don't want to be around me. Now, yes, there are some people that would probably would want to be around me that I still don't want to be around, but that would also be uh, partially uh, based upon my interaction in uh, previous interactions with them. Have I worked with them before? Have I hung out with them before? Have I interacted with them? Have I just met them in passing? Have I talked with them? Do we have anything in common? Do we have anything that we could build upon, even if we disagreed? I have people that I disagree with that I don't avoid. We have spirited discussions. We have difference of differing opinions, but we talk. We still get the word out. I don't say, oh, nope. I don't agree with you. See you later, alligator. I'm not coming ever, ever to talk to you ever again. But there's a lot of that going around. I was talking to a lady the other day, and I may have mentioned this on a podcast before. And she asked me, she says, oh, you're a podcaster. What are your podcasts about? And I said, well, they're about things that I... I've witnessed in my 50 plus years on the planet things, you know, my opinions, my take on things, the people I've met, the people I've interacted with, uh, the situations I've been involved in, just my little take. So the next question was, well, what are your political leanings and what are your religious leanings? I said, well, I tend to lean more towards the conservative side and I tend to lean more towards uh, Baptist, Christian, you know, and on the religious side of the house. She was gone. Poof. Never saw her again. Never talked to her again. Never another question raised. Instead of saying, oh, that's interesting, and carrying the conversation forward, and maybe finding middle ground, maybe having an interesting discussion, nope. Poof. She's gone. Then I've had a spirited discussion, and I may have mentioned this before, too, uh, several years ago with a black gentleman who was quite younger than I am, maybe in his late teens, early 20s, and we were talking about politics, and his whole basis was, it doesn't affect me, I'm not going to worry about it until it does. 
And, of course, I had to explain to him that it does affect him, even if it's indirectly, blah, 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 blah. But we didn't go out hating each other. We shook hands. We had a, like I said, we had a spirited conversation. We had a nice conversation. He went about his way. I went about mine. If I ever ran into this gentleman again, I'd have another conversation with him. I'd, I'd sit down and have a meal or have a beer with him. I don't hate that man. I don't agree with everything the man had to say, but I don't hate him. But here we are. White people... Some groups being, you know, some people saying blacks need to be separate from blacks or with with blacks. They need to be separate from every other uh, group of people. Like Candace Owens uh, said, there's a white graduation. There's a black graduation. There's an Indian or Native American graduation. There's a, a, a lavender graduation. Why, again, as I said, with the corporations and wokeism and why do we, we, we don't have to worry about the government. We keep putting our own selves in our own little groups. We keep the division going. They may have started it, but by God, we keep breaking it down. We keep adding to it. And part of that I see is a good thing because if you agree that I'm crazy and you have your own set of beliefs and all that and you're on the opposite side of, of the belief structure than I am, fine. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk. But there's a lot of people out there that are on one side or the other of the fence and there is no middle ground. They are not going to meet. It doesn't matter. That bridge has been crossed. That, you know, the bridge is, the, 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 the divide is there. The chasm is there. And it, I don't think we're ever going to bring it back together. And as such, this right here is a prime example of why I believe that. Hang on just a second while I pull it up. Okay, again, this is a little bit from Ben Shapiro. Again, as with all of these, Chad Prather, Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Candace Owens, uh, the Daily Wire, uh, thing that I, uh, morning show, morning news that I get my clips, some of these sound bites from, please, it's worth your while to go and listen to their podcast, subscribe, follow them, listen to them. They are more articulate than I am. I tend to get over emotional and pissed off about things and go from there. And this is one of the things I'm kind of pissed off about that continues on with the racial issues we were just discussing. The world's least victimized victim, Colin Kaepernick, turns on the adoptive parents who raised him. Democrats attack journalists Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger for revealing Twitter files. And Joe Biden unleashes his nearly $7 trillion budget proposal. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All right, so Colin Kaepernick, according to our mainstream legacy media, he's one of the great victims of our society. Sure. He was a formerly successful quarterback who then started to not be very good, and then he got benched, and then he decided after being benched that America was a terrible racist place, and he started kneeling on the sidelines in order to protest supposed police brutality, and he became a cause celeb because he couldn't latch on with any other team despite the NFL doing its very best to try and force another team to take him, and then he ended up on the cover of multiple Sports Illustrated, and he ended up with a giant deal from Nike talking about how you have to kneel for something so that you'll stand for something and, and all the rest of this stuff. And he made millions of dollars off of being a racial protester. Well, now Colin Kaepernick has gone one step further, and it is emblematic of where we are in American society, what Colin Kaepernick has now done. Essentially, all victimology 
turns into, at a certain point, being Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. All victimology turns into it. It turns into disrespect for your parents, disrespect for the past, an attempt to separate off from your parents, from the past, to rip everyone who came before you, to make yourself the only pure human being. So the reason this is relevant is because yesterday, Colin Kaepernick decided that he was going to just start crapping publicly on his white adoptive parents. To understand how perverse this is, you have to understand that Colin Kaepernick was, again, adopted. He, he, he was born of a, apparently a black American whose identity remains unknown to this day. That is his birth father. And a 19-year-old white woman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, named Heidi Russo. And his mom, to her great credit, had the baby. And then, also to her credit, put the baby up for adoption. And he was adopted, was Colin Kaepernick by a white couple named Rick and Teresa Kaepernick. And the couple already had a couple of biological children, and the reason they decided to adopt Colin is because they'd lost two other sons to heart defects, apparently. And his parents guided him through youth. He had a pretty nice background, pretty privileged background, economically speaking. He ended up playing sports, and, of course, all the rest. Well, now, Colin Kaepernick has decided that his parents are perpetuating racism. His parents are bad. The utter ingratitude and, and soul sickness that has to be attendant on you, the child of an adoptive couple who made you successful, who gave you opportunity, who brought you into a new world where you were able to thrive, flourish, become an NFL player, which is, by the way, not an inexpensive thing. Okay, to actually end up playing in the NFL, that usually requires that you, you know, go out and become part of a league. It requires that your parents travel for you. It requires all sorts of sacrifices that your parents made, aside from the normal parenting sacrifices, which, again, Adoptive parents make heroic sacrifices to even take someone else's child and raise that child as their own. Adoption is an act of tremendous charity. To then turn around and crap on your own parents publicly on CBS is one of the great acts of, of ingratitude, honestly, I've seen, except that it's mirrored by so many people in our society who basically say that all of the traditions of the past are bad, all of the wisdom of their grandparents, are bad, their parents are stupid, their grandparents are stupid, all of society is stupid, and they are the only good ones. She's an ungrateful, spoiled, rather disgusting generation that looks to its own parents and violates one of the fundamental bases of, I think, all human civilization, honor your father and mother. And the Ten Commandments says honor your father and mother for a very good reason, because peoples that tend to honor their ancestors are also people who have a future. Peoples that do not honor their ancestors as a traditional matter tend not to have a, a future at all. And that's particularly true, again, when you've been given pretty much everything by your adoptive parents. So here is Colin Kaepernick, who's he's been out of the headlines for a while. You remember that he was asked by the NFL to do a workout for a bunch of other teams, and, and he didn't even show up to the workout. And then every so often, he releases a video of himself throwing a football, and he's like, why won't someone pick me up? Here he was on CBS Chicago, talking about how he had a problematic household. He has an upcoming graphic novel titled Change the Game. This comes after his pathetic Anna DuVernay-directed or produced documentary on Netflix in which he likened going to the NFL combine to an actual slave auction. Because as we all know, during a slave auction, the slaves ended up being employed to the tune of millions of dollars and made international heroes, the slaves, right? I mean, it was exactly the same. The NFL combine, slave auction, one of the, I mean, if you actually watch the clip from Netflix, that's exactly what it is. He literally morphs an image from the NFL combine into an image from the slave auction. That's who Colin Kaepernick is. The most graceless, non-victimized victim of all time, except again for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who are an actual prince and princess claiming victimhood. And so he, uh, he went on CBS Mornings to promote his crappy new graphic novel. And here's what he said. 
Growing up, I was a, I think still am a pretty introverted person. I hope it's true to form, mm -hmm. and that's just kind of how I navigate the world. It's his true high school coming-of-age story, his journey embracing his blackness, despite resistance from many, including his white adoptive parents. I know my parents loved me, but there were still very problematic things that I went through. I think it was important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home, and how we move forward collectively while addressing the racism that is being perpetuated. He's getting what roles, his mom asked? Oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. Your mom become. said that to you. Yeah. And those become spaces where it's like, okay, how do I navigate this situation now? But it also is informed why I have my hair long today. So his mother is apparently a terrible person because she told him that he shouldn't wear his hair like Alan Iverson in the impression that people might have a bad impression of him. So he's now writing graphic novels about how terrible his own parents are, and then he's going to national television to publicize how terrible his parents are. And again, this is emblem. Colin Kaepernick is a stand-in for an entire generation of people who think this way about their parents. An entire ideology that suggests that this is really what we should do, is we should dissociate from our own parents and we should rip our own parents publicly. It's not unique to Colin Kaepernick, as we'll get to in a second. It also happens to be an absolutely obvious profit-seeking move from Colin Ka As per usual arrangement, it's social justice in the name of bucks for Colin Kaepernick. Now, again, I'm not going to say this is racism, but I think this is greed motivated. But how fucking arrogant and pompous and, you know, that that pisses me off no end because you have a, a white couple that basically took you in off the streets where would he, Colin Kaepernick be? Now, granted, I don't believe he was a gr as great a football player as he and others make him out to be. But where would he have been if his white adoptive parents had not adopted him? He could be dead by now. He could be living on the street. He could have been addicted to drugs. He could have been in jail. He had no one and nothing. And to turn on his parents, whether they were being inadvertently or uh, subconsciously racist or not, which I don't believe they were. You know, they were parents being parents. I know in the past I've had uh, friends that have had daughters as children. And I'm sure it has happened to many of, many of my listeners out there as well. Uh, I want to wear this, this, this top that exposes my cleavage. Well, no, you're 15, 16 years old. You're not going to go out of the house like that. Uh, no, you're going to not wear the ripped jeans, uh, you know, or, uh, dye your hair green and purple and pink and blue. No, you're not going to get the nose piercing or the belly button piercing. When you're 18, when you're out of the house, when you, you're on your own, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. But you're not going to do it under my rule, uh, my house, my rules. So, to me, of course, I'm white. I'm not black, so I don't understand. You know the whole. You know, I understand what they were meaning. But as coming from a white person, as an outsider, as a white person, yes, you would think I was being racist if I said hey, you look like a thug wearing cornrows versus whatever. So I'm not going to make that comment because I know that's how it would be perceived. But I'm not his parents. 
his mother wanted him to dress and look appropriate to put the best impression forward. Just like when you go to uh, a job interview, you don't wear a tank top and booty shorts. You wear a suit and tie. You wear a dress. You wear heels. You put on makeup. You look presentable. You look respectful. So that you can put the best impression forward and therefore hopefully get the job, uh, get the raise, whatever the case may be. So I don't understand. And even even then, even even if, like I said, even if it was subconsciously her being racist toward him, which I don't believe, but even if it was, you have got to have some nerve, some balls to sit there and and make it out that your parents treated you like shit when they basically took you off the street and gave you a life you would not have had otherwise. Now, aside from, like I agree with uh, Mr. Shapiro, that this was all about money and trying to sell his book and shock value and all that other stuff, this man needs to get a clue. He needs to wake up and realize he is not God's gift to football. There are better football players out there. There are better people out there. There are better athletes out there. He might have had a gift, but he has basically, because of his pompousness and his uh, egotistical bullshit, has basically thrown any other chances, I would say, of ever playing as a professional NFL quarterback away. It's gone because he's arrogant and pompous and he's an ass. And you got to be an ass to go against your parents. I did not have 150% the best childhood ever. There are things I would have, I would much rather have redone in my childhood, but I would never. Never put this out, anything like that, uh, against my parents for a quick buck. Now, if I'm talking to my parents, I'm talking to my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, whoever, then, you know, extended family, fine, because they're family. It's within the family. You know, if he had said, you know, hey, uh, I got this uncle over here and, you know, I told him I didn't like it, etc. Keep it in the family, that's one thing. But to publicly call them out when they gave him the life he has, when they gave him every opportunity that he has had, that he would not have had had they not adopted him, had they left him in the orphanage or on the street. That, that to me, is just bullshit. And while I'm not surprised, I don't agree with it. Now, I'll leave that at that. But before we get into... The biggest craziness thing that's pissing me off right now and the sad, one of the saddest things right now that happened yesterday, I want to leave you or kind of lighten the load, lighten the mood a little bit with this little ditty. Uh, again, this is from Ben Shapiro. That I like today. Okay, so this is kind of amazing. Apparently... A fan pooped in the aisle near Hillary and Chelsea Clinton at a Broadway show. Page six hears that a serial pooper has been stalking the halls of the legendary Schubert Theater. 
And the last time they struck, a turd appeared in the aisle near Hillary and Chelsea Clinton at Some Like It Hot. A source close to the show insists it was a regrettable one-off incident. Uh, There is a picture of Hillary and Chelsea at the show, and uh, there is an older man standing just behind them and looking awkward. Uh, I suspect him as the serial pooper. Oh, sorry, no, it's Bill Clinton in the background, as it turns out, who is very unhappy to have been dragged to a Broadway show by Hillary and, and Chelsea. But yeah, welcome to New York, where people just poop in the aisles. Things are going amazing over there. It's the greatest city on earth where people just take a dump directly in the aisles of major Broadway theaters. Well, I mean, there are a lot of steaming piles of hot crap on Broadway, so uh, I guess that makes some sense. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, I have to admit that's funny as hell. Someone literally took a shit in the, th- in the Broadway theater next to Hillary and Chelsea and Bill Clinton. Now, my only question I have is, this guy must be a fucking Houdini magician, because they have to be with Secret Service at all time, at all times. How did this guy get close enough to sit down, squat, drop it down his pants, whatever the hell he did, to leave a pile of shit in the aisle beside them? Were Was the Broadway show that good that uh, the Secret Service were just entirely focused on the performance? And, uh, or did they sleep through it? I don't know. But uh, this guy could give David Copperfield and Chris Angel and uh, Harry Houdini a, a run for their money if he got that close to take a shit in the aisle right by where they were sitting. So, Okay. Now time for the uh, sad part of the podcast. And uh, there's things that piss me off about it. And there's things that, you know, it's a sad situation. But the take of our government, our administration on the tragedy is what really, 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 really upsets me more than anything else. As you may have known or may have heard by now, there was a shooting in a Tennessee Christian school. Six people were killed. The uh, three of them were children uh, and the uh, the gun uh, assailant was uh, the, the perpetrator was killed as well. And obviously, I don't feel like this should have happened. Obviously, I feel sorrow for the families. But as with anything that's gun-related these days, it immediately becomes a weapons ban, anti-Second Amendment rhetoric. And the only... I should, this is going to sound wrong, but the only saving grace about this whole incident is that this individual was a female and apparently she was trans and uh, called herself with the he, she pronouns on uh, one of the social media apps. And the only reason why I say that that is a positive thing 
is because since it was not a white conservative Trump MAGA supporting Republican conservative person, this story will be swept under the rug and it'll be gone as fast as it appeared. But in the meantime, I give you this little snippet from Dan Bongino's show uh, earlier today. When the liberal media has to jump in and figure out a way to tell a story, not the story. First, let's get to the White House, where Corrine Jean-Pierre absolutely disgraced herself and the country yesterday. Again, um, the most embarrassing human being to ever occupy this spot. This is right after the shooting. I want you to keep in mind, as you'll see in a second, she has no details. She gets them all wrong. The facts of the case have not materialized. And at the point of this conversation, the bodies of these kids and adults were still in the location. Now, as the White House spokesperson, not the Democrat spokesperson, she's paid by you. It's a good opportunity to come out and try to heal the nation and say, let's wait for this story to come out. Our prayers are with the family. They'd have to deal with the unimaginable obstacles ahead of having lost their loved ones. Now, that's not because Corrine Jean-Pierre has zero human dignity at all. Goes out and starts pitching again taking away your right to defend yourself against bloodthirsty murderers because that's just who they are. Take a listen. How many more children have have to be murdered before Republicans in Congress will step up and act to pass the assault weapons ban? To close loopholes in our background in our in our background check system or to require the safe storage of guns. We need to do something. Once again, the president calls on Congress to do something before another child is senselessly killed in a preventable act of gun violence. Again, we need to do something. Again, just disgusting. Tune these people out immediately. These people would have new victims of these people. Keep in mind, criminals could give about gun laws. They just don't care. They will prey on you just like the cold-blooded murderer in that video walked through the hallways with that gun with a thousand-mile stare right there. They will shoot you dead like a dog. And Corrine Jean-Pierre and the rest of these liberal, the rest of this, these liberal lunatics would have you sit there defenseless, defenseless, shot down like a dog. She has no facts, yet she wants to put your life in danger and disarm you, although you've done nothing wrong. She doesn't even know how many children were killed? None. And yet it's an opportunity for her because she has no human dignity at all. None. Isn't dignified enough for a moment to just shut up until you even know the story. She doesn't even know how many victims. Here, listen yourself. We can't keep seeing what we saw today. Right now we're, we're hearing six kids, six elementary kids dead. Three kids and three adults. And she doesn't even know. She has no idea. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You see what we're dealing with here? You think this is politics? Their first impulse is to put you in danger and to disarm you against savage murderers. That's their first impulse. That's their first impulse. Wow, that sounds sick. That's just what is. Here's Biden again disgracing the country. I was hesitant to even play this. It's so horrifying. Three children shot, two adults killed. Victim dead. 
Here's Biden walks downstairs and think he'd make a comment about the horrible nature of what happened yesterday in Nashville. No, no. He comes downstairs and wants to talk about ice cream. No, literally. Take a listen. My name is Joe Biden. (laughs) I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. I think I'm kidding. How much more? How much more of this guy are we going to have to take? How much more of this guy are we going to have to take? Now, of course, they're pushing for what they call an assault weapons ban. That's a fake thing. Assault weapon is a made-up term by the left designed to scare you. What they really want to do is take away commonly used rifles, used for self-defense, hunting, and otherwise. Uh, They want to take that away from you because they want you to be victims. That's why. Um, The left hates the idea that you should be uh, responsible for your own self-defense and that of your family. They hate that. They want you dependent on the state. So they want to enact what they would call, again, ridiculously so, an assault weapons ban. Now, we've only put this study out there. The newsletter is important today, folks. The study's right there in the link. The Department of Justice did its own study. The Department of Justice, yes, did their own study on what the Democrats called the assault weapons ban. And they found, as you'll see on the screen right now in this report, impacts of the 1994 assault weapons ban that, quote, the ban has failed to reduce the average number of victims per gun murder incident or multiple gunshot wound victims. Again, that's the DOJ's own study. The report will be in the newsletter again today, Bongino.com slash newsletter, if you'd like to show it to your friends. So again, you want to ban something that the government's own studies acknowledge doesn't do what you're saying it's going to do. Why? Because the liberal tyrant's first impulse in a story like this, no matter how horrible, kids bleeding out and dying on the ground, is to make sure you're the next victim. To take away your rights first. It's right there, folks. You can read it yourself. Of course, the liberal media had to disgrace itself again. I'd like to say this is a new low, but again, as Joe and I were chatting before the show, I don't even think that's accurate anymore because I, I to, to say a low assumes that you set some kind of bar. Like it's, in other words, Joe, when you say like a pool's low in water, it's because you have a prior mark as to what the water line should look like. Right. And I've given up on that. I have no standards for the left at all because they have none. They have none. Children dying, shot, murdered. They don't care. Cities burning down, mostly peaceful. They just don't care. You're not dealing with sanity in politics here. You're dealing with evil. They don't care. I'm going to get to that in a second, too. It, it, It started with a wink and a nod, their coverage, and then it just degenerated to forget dog whistles, just coming out and saying it. Okay, so they disgraced themselves yesterday, the liberal media. Uh, Again, I'd say a new low, but that's irrelevant. Here's ABC's Terry Moran um, doing the first the dog whistle, Joe. First, they had to tease the dog whistle and see how much they can get away with. Now, the story here, this isn't the one Joe was really furious about. We'll get to that one in a second. Uh, This is the dog whistle where they first have to wink and nod that the murder of these 11-year-old kids, right? Uh, no, nine-year-old, excuse me, nine-year-old, the murder of these nine-year-old kids, that it's quietly has a lot to do with the GOP. The GOP did it. They have to wink and nod first, though. 
So here's the wink and the nod. Check this out. The shooter has been identified as 28-year-old female Audrey Hale, such as a former student of the school, and confirmed that Audrey Hale was a, identified herself as a transgender person. Uh, it, state of Tennessee earlier this month passed and the governor signed a bill that banned transgender medical care for minors, as well as uh, a law that prohibited adult entertainment, including male and female impersonators after a series of drag show controversies in that state. Notice the framing, folks. Folks, did you catch it? Joe, did you catch it? They, 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 Tennessee yes. passed a bill against transgender care. Yes. Care? You mean cutting off of the genitals? That's That sounds like the opposite of care. Notice the framing. You see how everything's in the framing? And they also... Just to interject here, as that newscaster so kindly pointed out, the law was passed for minors. Those of you that don't understand what minors means, that means 18 and under. The perpetrator of this heinous act was 28 years old. That's 10 years above the minor bill that was passed. So this is not a disgruntled 16-year-old that can't get puberty blockers, that can't have a sex change, that can't get so-called trans care. Regardless of the argument, regardless of your feelings on the matter one way or the other with regards to that, this was a 28-year-old whether it be a trans individual, whether it be a gay individual, bi, straight, cis, whatever the fucking terminology is, this was a 28-year-old adult that did this crime. Also, it has been brought up, and I'll get back to the rest of that a uh, little bit by Mr. Bongino in a minute, Um it was also brought up about gun control laws, the bans, all this stuff. You know, Republicans need to do this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, authorities uh, have said that this individual got the guns that she or he or whatever the hell uh God, she got them legally, which means she went to a gun store, she filed the appropriate paperwork, she did the already mandated federal background check, she waited the approved time frame if her state has one, uh, she was cleared. She was ready, willing, able, and capable to make those purchases for those weapons. So, assault weapon ban or not, gun control laws or not, she followed the law. She got the weapons legally. And, unfortunately, the crime still transpired. But uh, what they won't tell you, what they don't want to do, is 
again, has put armed guards, more security at these so-called soft targets. And why do I say it was a soft target? Because according to investigators, they also found that the shooter may have looked at targeting another location, but gave up on that idea after doing a threat assessment because the site had too much security. So, in other words, she mapped this out. She planned it. She knew what the security was. She knew there wasn't going to be any guards. She knew there wasn't going to be any metal detectors. Not that you really need them anyway if you're going to shoot through the doors and go on in and start blasting. But she didn't do anything illegal in obtaining the weapons to begin with. But she knew where she was going and she knew what she was planning on doing and she knew there was no security there. And had there been security there, this possibly, I'm not going to say it wouldn't have happened, but possibly may not have ended the way it did and happened the way it happened. And now I'll go back to uh, Dan Pagino's comments. Joe, they abandoned uh, adult entertainment. Huh. Taking your junk as a guy, dressing up as a woman and shaking it in the kid's face. Notice how that's the topic here. And again, uh, just again to jump in. This, even though that that's what the news is pressing and, and, you know, kind of, well, you know, if they hadn't passed these laws, everything would have been okay. This was still a legal adult. This was not a disgruntled child that couldn't get, uh, or, or a disgruntled parent that couldn't get uh, trans uh, care for their child. This was an adult. This was not a parent. This was an adult. She got the guns legally and she did what she did. This was not a minor that was waiting on. This was not a kid that had been in, at a drag show. None of that. They're trying to keep misdirection from don't worry about what the left hand's doing. Worry about what the right hand's doing. Now, see, Terry Moran's not particularly bright. He's been caught in a number of different issues before because he's a moron. Here's Joy Reid, who this is what got under Joe's skin. Joy Reid, who's not even smart enough. Uh, Terry Moran's a lot brighter than Joy Reid, not necessarily uh, any less uh, uh, tactical in what he's doing. Joy Reid's too dumb. Uh, Joy Reid's too stupid to to cover her intent at all. She just straight up... uh, has to just go for it in this. And, and notice how Joy Reid, uh, the gold medal winner in our dopey media talk, talking head Olympics for a reason, how Joy Reid in any situation always will make it worse. Here's Joy Reid. You have this in the state of Tennessee, which, you know, ironically is the Scopes monkey trial state, right, where they used to have a law against teaching evolution in public high schools, in public schools. They now are racing to enact these First Amendment limiting laws to limit things like drag shows. You have rampant book banning. I think Tennessee might be the most aggressive book banning state, even more so than Florida. And so they're essentially saying it's too dangerous to allow children to be exposed to a drag show. A drag queen is as dangerous dangerous to children. These books are dangerous to children. But when it comes to guns, they're like, no, put more guns where children are. 
it is it is an irony that's hard to get away from during this time of moral panic over books, history, and drag shows. Again, to call the woman a disgrace, who hit a new law is irrelevant. No, it's, 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 it, it, again, you can sense you know, why Joe and felt the need to comment. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's gross. It's disgusting. It's just who Joy Reid is. It's just who she is. Uh, so Tennessee, which tried to keep, it's trying to keep porn out of schools. Joy wants more of that, apparently. Um, wants to keep uh, men from shaking their uh, genitals uh, in front of young kids who are in no position to process what's going on. Uh, those are framed as bans and First Amendment violations. Really? Uh, you're not allowed to speak out if you're transgender. I was unaware of that. I was. Uh, Joy can't point to me a single example where you'll be arrested for speaking about transgender issues. Now, um, shaking your genitals in front of a kid who's not even rel- even within the realm of the ability to figure out what's going on. Yes, I may get you. That's got a name. It's called flashing. Okay. Uh, porn in schools is not banning books. It's, not, it's interesting the same people like Joy Reid who want to keep the Bible out of school and will ban it in a heartbeat are talking about the books aren't banned. You can find these books wherever you'd like. You just can't show kids pornography in schools. Of course, Joy's really, you know, she's dumb and, and, and she is. She's, ask anyone who works with Joy. She's particularly stupid. But what's ironic is Joy uh, was accused of writing a homophobic blog a while ago. Joe, did you ever get to the bottom of that? We, we asked you about that years ago. You, you have seem to have let been that go. on my back forever. I know. I Dan, know. You seem I to have just cannot, let that go. No, I can't find yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's weird. Joe's trying to find the perpetrator. He's a good investigator. Woman's gross. That's who she is. So, yeah, as expected, with, sadly, another mass shooting, they're already going after the guns. They're already going to make more gun laws, try and ban this gun, that gun, and the other gun. And without going off onto a Second Amendment rant, I just I just think it's, you know, obviously the the old adage of if you outlaw guns, only outlaws will have guns, definitely holds true because the criminals don't care. The criminals aren't passing background checks, and yet they're still getting a hold of guns. So all these these protective so-called measures are doing is putting more and more limits on law-abiding gun, uh, legally gun-owning citizens. Uh, and again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, these weapons were purchased legally. She followed the law. She followed the rules to purchase the weapons, and she bought them legally. So explain that. But what is more irrational to me, more devious than them immediately going after the Republicans, the Second Amendment supporters, etc., in the news briefs, is the fact that our commander-in-chief, our sleepy Joe, half-walking-dead, half-senile president, knew that there had been a shooting and came down talking about ice cream. And the fact that he had a freezer full of it upstairs in, in the, the, the presidential quarters. How crazy, how 
just, uh, I don't, there's not words. That irritates and pisses me off more than anything else in the world. Instead of coming down somber and sullen and sad, oh, attention everybody, this is President Biden, um, we've had another school shooting, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. No, he comes, I'm I'm Joe Biden, I'm the president, that's my wife, uh, Jill Biden, uh, she's the greatest doctor of all times, and uh, I heard there was going to be ice cream down here. Uh, did anybody sneak a cone? I've got a shitload of it upstairs. In these parents' moments of grief, in these spouses and husbands and, and family members' moments of grief, and even the perpetrator's family in their moment of grief, when they look back on this years from now and feel the loss of their loved ones and remember this day, and they're going to think, and my president was cracking off about ice cream. That to me is just unforgivable, incomprehensible, and inexcusable. And uh, we've gone on for quite a while. So, as I mentioned earlier, the... Uh, the circus has definitely come to town, and uh, uh, I will uh, let the uh, circus music carry us out on this one. <laughs> 